God, and you can be seated. The Lord bless you today. This is absolutely a charged atmosphere, isn't it? And why not? It should be. Every time we come together where there are two or three gathered in his name, there should be a spiritual explosion. There really should. There at least have the, um, the expectation that there will be one in Jesus' name. And what a day to be living for God, to have the comfort of the Holy Ghost in our lives. I mean, folks, there's nothing like it. Uh, never, ever will be anything like it. Um, um, I was going to teach this morning, but I kind of feel like I need to go another direction here. And maybe I'll pick this up down the road here. But the Christmas season is a, is a beautiful time to have your eyes open to who Jesus is. I was filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name at the end of October. And so I was only in the church just about a month or so before that first Christmas that I encountered God. And I mean, up to that time, and I won't go into the details, Christmas had a totally different meaning for me. It just was one of those things. But, but when I was filled with the Holy Ghost, my eyes were opened and to the realization of what this thing is really all about, that I had been so-called celebrating for years, 22 years actually prior to that, and had no clue. But when God uh, allowed me to begin to repent, and repentance is still going on with me for, and, and that's been 40, almost 44 years ago. Um, I'm still doing that, by the way, still repenting. But I'm glad that I was able to go down in that October afternoon in the name of Jesus and baptism, which really applied the blood to my life. The blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing that will cleanse you from your sins. There's nothing else. You can ask Jesus to become your personal Lord and Savior, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but you can do that um, until you're blue in the face. That will not remit your sins. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, when he was asked the question, what should we do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You see, the blood is applied through the, through the water baptism, and then that clears the way for God to literally fill us with his spirit. That's why Peter said, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It was an absolute expectation. Amen. There was no um, hesitance. You want to know why? They hesitated before Pentecost. Jesus told them to go back to Jerusalem. Chronologically, we can kind of figure it out that it was like seven days that Jesus ascended to heaven. Amen. He was on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights after he was um, risen from the dead. Um, he was in the grave for three days, so I just do the ad, do the math, it's 43 days. The day of Pentecost was the 50th day, so approximately seven days later, that's when they were all, the ones that were in that upper room, praise God, and from uh, one account, we can say there was uh, like 120 of them in that upper room. And the Bible says they all received the Holy Ghost. They all began to speak in other tongues. They all began to magnify God. See, that was the beginning, praise God. And technically speaking, that was the, the, the conclusion of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. Because the New Testament has a new covenant upon better promises. Now, the Old Testament had lots to do with repentance, but folks did not get baptized. They did not get purified. The only people that got purified were the priests. Amen. When they went in and offered those sacrifices, there was a labor of water in there that they had to wash themselves lest they died. Amen. That's why when John the Baptist began public baptisms, people were blown away. They're going, what's this guy doing? What's he trying to pull here? 
And of course, he had to have them understand that this was a baptism, John's baptism, that is, is for the baptism of repentance, and that you need to believe on the one that's coming after me. Who was the one that came after John? Yes, yes, Jesus came onto the scene approximately six months after John began his ministry and things began to change. And from that time on, for about three and a half years, there was a transition period. Jesus began to teach. And we know just a short time after that, John's ministry was ended. He ended up in prison and he ended up losing his head. Praise God, that's just how it worked. But Jesus continued on for another approximately three years and he taught, he taught, and he taught. And there is absolute evidence in the Gospels that he baptized. Amen. But then he passed that baton onto his disciples. Amen. And the last um, uh, meeting that we, can, that we can see in the scriptures is in the first chapter of the book of Acts. That's where Jesus, right before he ascended to heaven bodily, he gave them what I call simple instructions. Amen. Their idea was is that, that Israel was going to be returned to their power at that time. They were about 2,000 years ahead of themselves. That's what they were, praise God. That wasn't that that wasn't going to happen, but it wasn't the time. Now God was literally opening up the gospel to the Gentiles or to whosoever will, praise God. But his instructions, Jesus' instructions to them was to go back to Jerusalem and tarry. Wait. Wait for what? Until you be endued with power from on high. Amen. That's why they tarried before Pentecost. Today, and I might be talking to somebody online today, you don't have to tarry. The Holy Ghost is and continually is being poured out in our world today. Can I get a witness to some people that know what I'm talking about? Come on, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Amen. Amen. We do not have to tarry. If you will repent, allow God to help you to repent because the Bible says it's the goodness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. You and I don't even have a clue about that until God comes onto the scene in our lives. And then God, who is very merciful, very long-suffering, he's not rubbing our nose in our sins. He's just helping us to understand that repentance is the way we approach God. And repentance is not just being sorry for what we have done. Repentance says, I'm going to begin to commit that, God, I'm going to begin to change the way I live. Amen. Amen. And I'm not here to put any restrictions or anything on your life. That can happen as fast as you want it to, by the way. Amen. I mean, the lid is off in this new covenant, praise God. And so today, that's what we celebrate. And the Christmas season is the beginning of that. Let me give you this introduction, and maybe I'll teach this just a little bit later on. There's three parts to what God has done for us. Amen. He started out, you know, when he created the world, the Bible says God was with us. Amen. In the Old Testament, he was with people. Amen, in various forms. If you want a, a kind of a little bit of a Bible study on that, take the first chapter of the book of Hebrews and study the first four verses. It kind of gives you that, that understanding. God was with us. Everybody say, God is with you. Yeah, and I learned that. God was with me even before I came to a church like this. And the reason he's with me is because the Bible says he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. So he's with us, and that is, is, is the explanation of God. That's, that's his love. Amen. And then the Bible talks about the fact that God becomes for us. And how does he become for us? Well, I'll tell you, one of the ways that he becomes for us is that he, he initiates forgiveness. He doesn't wait for you to do it. He initiates it. God so loved the world that he 
gave his only begotten son. God initiated that, folks. He didn't wait around for you and I to get it right. Amen. And that's why this world can feel and sense him. Even if you do not want to live for God, you can walk into a service like this and you can sense and feel the love of God. Why is that? Because God is for us. Amen. That's what he is. Now, that doesn't mean he lets you go and you can do anything you want and sin is okay and you can live any type of a lifestyle you want. No, that's not what it's talking about. It means because he's for us, he initiates forgiveness. But these last days, somebody say the last days. Amen. He's done something so special and it was prophesied. It was told, praise God, over and over again in the Old Testament. This is what I'm going to do, folks. Amen. And what is that? It's not God with us, and it's not God just for us, but it's God in us. Come on, somebody that's got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, can you lift those hands right now and say, thank you, Jesus? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you for that, praise God. God is in us. That's what makes the Christmas season so special now. Amen. And so maybe I'll elaborate on that later on this month. I want to talk about Christmas because I don't think it's a bad thing. I think just like a lot of things of God, we've just kind of taken it and, and, and kind of perverted it a little bit. But you know, it's neat because with the help of the Lord, we can get it back to the original. We can get it back to what did this thing really mean? What is this thing all about? Amen. And this thing is about Jesus, folks, and I'm so thankful for it in the name of Jesus. All of that is preliminary. And i got some more preliminary for you here in just a second. Praise God. This is God. He is doing so many great things in Jesus' name. But I must pause before I forget. I, I will forget. Um, I forget a lot of things that I want to remember, but a lot of the things of God's I, I don't forget, and that's the cool thing about it. But I do want to extend my appreciation to everybody who's been praying. I know it's, um, it's been a, a trying time for us. My mother has been uh, declining in her health for months, and of course we knew the COVID thing was um, a, a risk and a situation, and, and she had contracted COVID in the nursing home there about two weeks ago. And... Um, they were in the process of, of, of taking her to a COVID unit where if we wanted to as a family, we could have went in there and been with her. The morning they were going to do that, she passed away. So I'm just going to take it. It wasn't the will of God. It wasn't what God wanted. And that's enough for me. That's enough. I got no sadness, folks. We, we had a her for 100 years. She was just a little over two months away from her 101 birthday. That's a long time. Man, that's ranking up there with Abraham and those kind of guys, aren't they? Yeah. Amen. And so we have no regrets. I, there's sadness. Folks, there's always sadness when somebody passes away. Come on, you can't get around that one. But man, alive, one of the things that I realized right off the bat when I got together with you guys in the church is that I ain't going to live forever. Amen. Nobody's going to live forever down here. So there's a constant preparation going on to the next life, praise God. It's just that some people take longer than others to, to achieve that. That's just what it is. But it's like my uncle said years ago, and he didn't even have the Holy Ghost. He said, you know, I don't know why people get so excited about this life. He said, none of us are going to get out of it alive. And I've never thought, of, I never forgot that. I thought, well, that's a simple way to look at things. I mean, I, some people always say, that was pretty morbid. No, it's the truth. A lot of times we think the truth is 
oh, hide that stuff and don't say nothing. No, God doesn't do that. He lets you know the truth. You have an ingrown ticker. Amen. That is aware of the fact that you only got so many days in this, world, in this earth. Amen. And the best thing you and I can do is get with God, live for God, and do what he wants us to do. That's the best thing that you can do in Jesus' name. And so last week we talked about a couple of things that needed to change. Remember that? We talked about our perspective, which is the way we view things. And man, you go into a room, you go into a job place or you go into any type of school or whatever, you're going to get all kinds of views. Everybody's got their own little way of looking at it. And what we're constantly wanting God to do is to straighten up God and look at it from my perspective. Now, we don't say that, but boy, we act like that a lot. And I'm going to tell you right now, that ain't going to happen. God is constantly trying to help you to look at it from his point of view. And that's why we talked last week about a co-perspective that God allows us to have in our conscience that will help us to see that. Now, that doesn't guarantee you'll be saved. It just means that you got help. Because in this life, you and I need help, praise God. And then we talked about the fact, and, and I, I really didn't teach this enough, and I will down the road probably to discipleship. Uh, classes. I will get into this. But permission is so much is what we need to give God. Not that he, that he can't do anything without it, but he can't do much for you. He can't do much for me if I don't give him permission. That's what we have to do. Amen. And how we do that, one of the greatest ways that we keep working on that is by submitting our will to his will. That's how you give God permission. Amen. That's why a lot of people, you know, they go from trying to be happy to being sad to being way down and up and all that kind of business because you're trying to figure all this out on your own. And if you would just give God permission, he would show you some things. He would begin to prepare you for some great things that are coming down the road. And boy, I mean to tell you folks, I don't want anybody to miss that. And so these, these are times, you know, I believe we are the people who are going to see the ends of this age. I do. Um, I, I used to be a little skeptical about that, but man, alive, not anymore. I'm beginning to see too many things that are happening. And so myself personally, I am studying this stuff out more and more and more, not the way I used to. Because I used to just try to saturate myself in the things of God and, and, and hope that I could absorb it. Now I, I've, I've gotten more conditioned with his plan. And that is in a, regid, a regular regiment of his scripture into my life. And then a regular regiment of prayer and, 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 and praying in the spirit that will allow my eyes to become opened. And I'm seeing things that I've read for 40-some years. 40-some years I've read that. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at that and going, whoa. Well, what is that? It's because I'm so stupid? I hope not. No, it's because my eyes are getting opened. That God is doing that. And <coughs> Listen to me. <coughs> Just like, <coughs> I got to get a drink. A coffee. Good. Hot stuff. Amen. Having our eyes open is just like forgiveness. You can't initiate it. 
It only can come from God. That's the only way it has to, that's the only way it starts. And so what we have to do is instead of giving, we have to get into a place where we receive. We receive the love of God. We receive the forgiveness of God. Then, with that process in place, that gives us the ability to be able to give out. And so that's what has to happen. Amen. And God has made all of this available, by the way. Now, two more things, and I'm not going to go into these very, very much today, but um, this is discipleship material, but I'm going to mention this to you. We talked about things that have to change. Perspective, everybody say amen. amen. We, have to ch- we have to give God permission. Somebody say amen. amen. And what we have to learn more about is something called patience. Amen. We've got our own little idea on what that is, you know, and patience is one of those things that, 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 that will help us. But listen to me. Jesus, one of, the, one of the most important parables that Jesus taught was on the parable of the sowing of the seed. You can find it in the fourth chapter of Mark. You can find it in the eighth chapter of the book of Luke. And you can find it in the 13th chapter of the book of um, Matthew. They all deal with that. But only in Luke, only place in Luke, and I, I don't know why, haven't got that far yet, but only in Luke does he make mention of the fact, well, let me read it for you. Let me show it to you. Look at Luke chapter number 8. Got your curiosity here, so that's why I should give it to you. Look at Luke chapter number 8. This is where the story is told in Luke, okay? And it's just, the story is very familiar. I mean, it's, it's one that everybody knows. The, the seeds fell on different grounds, you know, um, and because of the ground, the seed wasn't able to produce. Amen. But as of the rest of the other two Gospels, in verse 15, the Bible says, but that on the good ground. That's what God gave me the ability to be able to produce. That's what repentance largely helps us on a daily basis to have. It's good ground. Amen. Now the Bible says in verse 15, and it says something there that it doesn't say in the other two. It says, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it. Now look, listen, look at this at the end of that verse. And bring forth fruit with patience. It does not say that in the other two. So I understand that because Luke got this one in there, it's important. So I got to learn to have patience. Now I'm not going to go into this in detail right now. I'm just actually just kind of sowing the seed here for you. But you and I must learn about patience. Amen. Um, I got a, one time I got a, 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 what do you call that, a definition of this. And I thought this was pretty cool. Listen to this. Patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay trouble or suffering without getting angry or upset. I got a long way to go. And I'm not trying to be funny, folks. But I got a lot of things when they're delayed, when they don't happen the way I think they should happen and when they should happen, I get ticked off. And I got a feeling that I'm talking to some people here today. Amen. That's why we got to learn patience. We got to learn not to get upset. We got to learn to quit getting mad. 
we got to learn to accept the things of God. Oh, I'm so tempted to go deep into this, but I'm not going to. I told the Lord, or the Lord told me not to, so I won't. The fourth thing is that you and I must learn how to be persistent. This is how we've got to learn the things of God. And listen to me, I want you to understand, all of this comes from God, if you will let him. The Bible says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Ghost. So all of this is available through his spirit. That God can help you to be transformed. God can help you to become different. God can help you to begin to eliminate some things and add other things. This is what he's wanting from his church in these last of the last days. And so I don't know about you. I didn't just write this stuff down for you. I wrote it down for me. Because I'm working on this stuff. Amen. And I've always said, between God and my wife, it's about 98%, 99% covered. Amen. You're the other person. No, I shouldn't say that. There's probably the percentages are a little different. But the bottom line is, folks, we can get this stuff. We can know this stuff. And God. So I'm putting that Bible study away for now. And I'm going to go a little bit deeper into that probably this next year because it's needed. We've got to be reminded of this stuff. We've got to understand that the reason we get into trouble is because of the way we look at stuff. And then we want God to look at it the way we do, and he refuses. He won't do it. And so you and I, we can get improvement on that in Jesus' name. Praise God. Let's pray right now and ask the Lord to help us to have good, good ground. Can we do that? Come on. I believe that there's good ground to be had in our lives in Jesus' name. Now come on, keep praying, because if you ask him, he will. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. This is God. Come on, he ain't fooling around now. He isn't, he isn't trying to dangle a little carrot in front of you. He's saying, hey, this is all possible. Come on, this is all possible. Oh, hallelujah. Mm, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that, that spiritual plow that can be put forth in our lives. That you can literally plow up the fallow or the unused ground right now. The ground of our heart. Yes, let that word, word just go right into that place. Oh, hallelujah. Quick and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the divine asunder of the soul and the spirit the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart right now Lord God ah carita yes right now Lord God let that penetrate deep mm. hallelujah hallelujah Jesus praise the name of the Lord mm. hallelujah oh my goodness 
Thank you, God. Thank you for your long-suffering, for your patience. Thank you for showing us the way. Thank you for telling us and helping us to know how it's done. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Mm. Praise God. Wow. Praise God. Praise God. And so we're in the midst of what our culture would consider the Christmas season, and not because all the retail stores are trying to sell you something, but because this is the time of the year that we, we, we celebrate that. We celebrate the birth of Christ, and it's a good thing. It never has been a bad thing. It's just that sometimes our commercialism, it's our perspective. That's what gets in the way, folks. And I'm not telling you not to buy presents or give anything during the season. It's a good thing to do that. But the bottom line is don't forget there's, there's a perspective that God wants to help you to understand about this season. I had never been the same since that first Christmas season with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I can tell you that without a shadow of a doubt. Never have been the same because of that. And so that's the, things, that's the thing about the, the system of God, is that man can come up with a good program. You've heard me say this before, but it never lasts. God's program lasts. Now, you can set it down. You can refuse to do it. You can say, hey, that's not for me. But the bottom line is that program will keep going on. And that's probably a bad word to, to, to explain it, but it's the only one I can think of right now in Jesus' name. Now, for the next 10, maybe 15 minutes, this is for you. If you wouldn't have showed up, I wouldn't have done this. You were my confirmation. Amen. She emailed me and wanted some information on winds. And um, I've been studying this for years, um, not, you know, thoroughly, but I've been studying it off and on. There are some things in the Bible, every time I read through them, I, I go, whoa, wow, i got to check that one out a little bit deeper. And that's how the last 44 years have been going for me. I just, you know, I don't know how much I get scraped off when I go by there, but some days it's deeper, some days it's just a little bit, a little more. It kind of goes on the same premise as the prophecy in the 28th chapter of the book of Isaiah. You know, here a little, there a little, precept upon precept. That has operated with, with God's efficiency in my life for a number of years. And I'm going to go on with that one. If I could call it a program, that's another, what I'd say. That program is going to continue on with me. I'm never going to quit pre reading the Bible. I'm never going to quit praying. I'm never going to quit coming to church, you know, if I can help any of this. Why? Because that's how those precepts work, little by little. We want to go to the university of give it to me in five minutes, and we want God to just download a bunch of stuff into our life, and we want to have it just like that. That's what our education system is all about. That's why most people that are going, not most, but a lot of people that are going into fields of life, they don't even understand what they're going into. They just got a bunch of information. And folks, this is more than just a bunch of information. And never forget this, in the book of Corinthians, it says, knowledge puffeth up. It always will. You and I, man, we get, to, we get throwing a few of these Bible studies together and we think we're something, don't we? Yeah, but it's love that edifies. Love will give you a good reason to teach that. Love will give you a more thorough reason to do the things that you're supposed to do. Uh, uh, this, is this okay? I'm all over the map. I understand that. My wife will probably mention something about this when we get home. But I, I know that everything I've said here today, it's been of God. I'm touching on a lot of things. I know that. But somebody in here, you know, you've you got to figure out what's going on with you. You've got to figure out what is God trying to do. And that's where we can get into these wins that will give you a help. 
give you a help. Let me preface this by saying in the 24th chapter of the book of Matthew, 24 Matthew, and that's that big chapter that talks about end times. And let me caution one of you, you end time junkies. You know, 24 Matthew is not written in chronological order. It is not. I'm just going to throw that one out at you. So if you're trying to put from A to Z in that chapter, no wonder you're missing it. It's like the book of Daniel. It talks about something, then it goes on, and then all of a sudden it'll go back over here. And you'll go, what? You know, I thought we were going over here. And God will go back here and he'll re reiterate something. And he does that purposely because it's only going to be able to come to, 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 to light with the real hungry and the thirsty. You know, you want to go and write a book and make a million dollars or a billion dollars, you know, you know, you can do that in the world we live in. But you're going to have it wrong. Because God is not going to have people make money on this end time thing. This is not written to scare people. It's written to inform them. But God has got a way of bringing this out. He's got a way of bringing it to pass. And then all of a sudden he'll bring something in. And man, we'll go, whoa, I didn't see that one before. Kind of like my little thing. Yeah. And it'll, it'll mesmerize you in Jesus' name. You want to know why? Because God constantly, constantly and persistently, uh, um, he, he is in the impossible. What is impossible with man is possible with God. And it all comes, a lot of it comes under that category. That, boy, if we can figure it out, then it probably wasn't from God. That was probably from you. Whoa, that one opens up a can of worms, doesn't it? Somebody, I hope, will take heed to that. But look at Matthew 24, and then I'm going to bring you to Mark 13. Okay? Matthew 24, and verses number 30. 30. The Bible says, And then shall, it says, appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of, hev of heaven with power and great glory. That's going to be quite an event. And then it says, and he, he, that I'm believing it's, it's Jesus, shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from. Everybody say from. from. Say it again. From. Say it again. Just again, from. from, they're already there. They're there. They're not going there. They're there because he's gathering them from that. I know I'm overemphasizing this, but man, I missed this too many years. So the Bible says he will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to another. And, 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 and just so you'll know that there's, there's other places, I'll give you one more, another one here. Look at Mark chapter 13, which deals with pretty much the same subject matter. It's talking about end times. It's talking about what God's going to be doing, you know, later on here. But look at Mark chapter number, tw uh, number 13 and verse number 24. The Bible says, but in those days after that tribulation, and he's, he mentions that a lot. You know, we think of the great tribulation. Well, there's others' tribulation, believe me. It says, The sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in the heaven shall be shaken. If you want to do a good study, study the prophecy of Joel in the last days. 
God shall pour out his spirit. That's the one that Peter quoted from in the second chapter of the book of Acts, okay? It's a beautiful um, um, a Bible study on prophecy. But then he makes reference to the fact that there are certain things that are going to happen in the heavens. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, we've not seen that. We have not seen that. Well, we've seen some phenomena, Jupiter and, and what's the other planet? Saturn. Oh, my goodness. The rapture's coming. Hey, I'm not, I'm, I'm having a little fun here, but man, I don't know how many years ago, they told me all the planets were going to line up. And man, that was a sure tale time that Jesus was coming back, man. I mean, he's coming back for sure, because it's going to tilt everything off its axis and everything's going to, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that our perspective comes up with. I'm telling you the truth, folks. And we got to be careful with that kind of thing. But this is what I also I know. The reason some people aren't going to be able to aren't going to miss it is because of what they've been doing, not because of what they're going to do, but because of what they've already been into. It's taught them some things. Their eyes have been open. All of a sudden, they don't they're not bamboozed as quickly as they used to be. They're not swallowing every hook, line, and sinker out there. They're beginning to say, wait a minute, I'm going to study it in this book, not in somebody else's book. Now, come on. Somebody here needs to get that into their thick skull. Now, this is stuff that's coming. I know I'm getting excited now on that type of thing. I got to go to a funeral on Wednesday, and now I get a little sad, but today I ain't. I am not. I'm, I'm excited. I'm glad that God shows us these things. I'm glad that we can put ourselves in a position where God will show us some things. But boy, I'll tell you something, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but your perspective ain't worth a nickel. Either is mine. It's not. We think it is, and we want to try to mold God into what we're thinking, and God is not going to do that. So there are four winds. And I don't know exactly what they represent, but I'm going to give you some ideas here. And again, I'm not going into detail here. I'm just sowing some seeds. We got four winds. And what I would easily surmise is that's talking about directions. Directions. And one of the things that God has emphasized in my life is the, as a pastor, as a pastor, he has emphasized direction to me more than how, how long is their sleeve? Or are they wearing dresses yet? Or they, did they quit smoking? Or did they quit drinking? Oh, I hope that doesn't embarrass anybody, but it's the truth. When I first came into this, that's what it was, a lot of it was about, standards. And I still believe in standards, folks. Don't misunderstand me. But what God has helped me as a pastor to, to center more on is direction. What direction are people going? Now listen before you get real excited about this charismatic stuff. No, that doesn't mean that you can wait around for 10 years before you make a decision to live for God. Quit that. Come on, quit that. Get on the road here and let's get living for God. Quit this delayed action that you've got in some of your... Well, I guess I must be teaching the internet now, right? Nobody in here has got that problem, right? Oh, I wouldn't say. But I'm just saying, folks, quit that. You are just absolutely shooting yourself in both feet. Come on, you know what to do. You know that God's better than anything else. Come on, even though you've tried and failed, get back up and start living the way God wants you to live. That doesn't mean that you're going to be saved. It just means that you put yourself in a position where he can show you some things.
<clears throat> so if it's wanted, you know, this year I'm gonna I'm, again we're I'm gonna open up my time for for training people. I'm gonna open up my time to 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 help people to carry on. Not that I'm going anywhere. Um, you know, I my wife and I were satisfied in the will of God. We are. We just want to be wherever God wants us to be. Oh, do we ever talk about South Florida? Oh, yeah. But we went there. And now we don't talk about it much anymore. <laughs> I'm serious. We think, oh, man, we've got to go down here where it's warm and stuff like that. You know, hey, if worse gets to worse, I've got a plan B. I'll just build a little swimming pool in my backyard. She'll stay married for me for another 20 years if I'll do that. <laughs> so there it is. I'll just do that. I'll stick around. Because I don't mind it out here, folks. I told God this week, I said, man, God, you're starting to look at things the way I look at things. This whole week has been perfect. 50 degrees, man. I ran yesterday and it was gorgeous. I'm reminding God, this is the way I wanted it. <laughs> Now, don't you get mad at him if it don't last or when it doesn't last. But the bottom line is, folks, I, anywhere that I'm in the will of God is where I want to be. And so I understand that God is going to bring these winds into my life. And if I resist that, then I'm not going to be able to be gathered from them. I won't. I'll be somewhere else. And I'll be just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and I'll miss it. And it ain't going to be God's fault. It'll be mine. Amen. And so you have four directions there, and you can write this down if you want. You have the east wind, you have the west wind, you have the north wind, and you have the south wind. You know, we live in an area here that you could have all them in one day. That's just the way it is. But I believe what it's talking about here, and I'm not trying to spiritualize everything, but I do believe a lot of the things that are physical in, in the Old Testament are spiritual in the New Testament. And that's why you must be in the Spirit to really recognize it. You know, Paul said that to the Ephesian church. He said, you know, um, redeem the time for the days are evil. You know, be filled with the Holy Ghost is what his advice to that church was. And I believe it's, it's advice for us today. Take an advantage to let God fill and refill you and refill you and refill you. It could, what's interchangeable with that is the renewing of your mind. You know you have been filled with God's Spirit, not because you're talking in tongues like a Chinese laundry, although that will happen. You'll speak in tongues, but you will recognize that there's a renewing of my mind. I'm looking at things differently. I'm able to get over things a lot faster, and I'm healing a lot faster in my mind. That will happen. So check yourself out in that realm. So you got those four directions, praise God. You got the east wind, which in my opinion is the east wind of chastening. God will chasten them whom he loves. Now I just, this is, was on the top of the list, so I'm beginning with it. I'm not saying that God always starts with that, but that one's going to come around. If you will not allow God to chasten you, Man, you're, you're going to become a spoiled brat. You're going to become somebody who is so obsessed with themselves that you can't even figure out what, what Genesis 1 and 1 says. And it's the truth, folks. I'm not trying to be unkind here. I'm just telling you where our generation has gone. And you and I, we don't want to go that direction. So when, when not if, when the, and as the east wind of chastening comes in, we must accept that. We must allow God. Here, I'll, I'll write this scripture down. I don't have time to read it. But um, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 15, talks a lot about this. 
And you must understand that God's motive for chasing us is love. That's always been there. But we've got love so misconstrued that we don't even know what it is anymore. We think love is just letting everybody do their own thing. We think that love is just, you know, not preaching against sin anymore and just letting everybody have their own little way out there. That isn't love. That's really, that's ignorance. And we've got to be careful with that one. So the east wind of chastening will come around. Amen. And, and, and like I said, I'm going to go deeper in this in other avenues. And then you have the, the west wind, which is usually in, in the Bible, the west wind will bring blessing. Now, this is where it gets a little, a little bit um, 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 complicated because what we think is the blessings of God <laughs> and the blessings of God, what they really are, are way, way, way two, two different things. Um, a good study for you to do, I've done it, and I'm going to continue to do it, is to find out about Abraham. Blessings for the earth, as we know it, um, collectively began with Abraham. You remember in the 12th chapter of the book of Genesis? You know, whoever blesses you, I will bless. And, 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 but study that further, because you're going to find out that through, this, through the seed of faith, God gave Abraham the ability to bring that into the picture. Amen. And Chris is reading a book that I gave him that's excellent. Praise God. Brother Kenneth Reeves was his name, old timer. He, he taught about the three seeds. And man, alive that is. Uh, really, do you guys know him, Kenneth Reeves? From your end of the woods down there in Illinois, where he's from. Granite City is where he was from. Just a tremendous teacher. Oh, my goodness. And I've got several of his books, some of his tapes, and he has helped me to see some things. See, my teachers are many. As long as they're apostolic, as long as they are baptized in Jesus' name and have the Holy Ghost. Oh, you're just being prejudiced. No, I'm being protective. That's what I'm being. And I would certainly advise you to do the same thing. I really would. Oh, I know. I'm laughing right now because I'm trying to ease through the tension. Some of you are going, he don't know nothing, man. There's Dr. So-and-so, man. He's got it down. And if he ain't got the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, I'm not trusting him. Listen to me, folks. I learned a whole long time ago. You can tell me about the Great Tribulation. You can tell me about prophecy. But my, I, I've always had God to be the cart before the horse. And what is that? If you don't know about salvation, then there ain't a whole lot of other things that you can tell me. And there's only one way to get into the kingdom of God during this age. And that is to be born again of the water and of the spirit, folks. That's not some threatening message. That's an invitation for everybody. Come on, Jesus told a very religious man that. So you got the, the east wind of chastening. you got the west wind of blessing. Now again, this is not saying that these are going to come in this order, but you can begin to see that this is where God wants you. He wants you in a place where not only the winds of Holy Ghost can blow on you, but he wants the winds of chastening to blow on you. He wants the winds of, of a blessing from him, his blessings that come into your life. And he will do that. He's smart. God is real smart. Okay? And then you have the north wind. And the north wind, um, and if you study scripture, which I have, I've got a bunch of, 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 of references to this. The north wind brings cleansing. And this is what we need. That's why I'm learning not to, not like all of winter. Winter's a good thing. It brings about a very natural thing. 
It puts things in dormancy sometimes so they can rest. And then they can be cleansed. And so this is what we need. We need the cleansing of God, not just the blessings. And so he will do that. I'm telling you, folks, this is stuff that he will do. You know, I know that he uses the church sometimes in these things, but he, he's the one that is the author and the finisher of this, in Jesus' name. And so you got the east wind of chastening, you got the west wind of blessing, you have the north wind of cleansing, and then the last one, or, or the, the fourth one there, is the south wind of renewal, the renewing of God. And all of these are so, so very important. I am... Um, I am really, with, I'm so thankful for God. You must understand, God has been so good to me. He's been so patient. He has been so loving. He doesn't let me get away with stuff. I mean, he is just so good. And, and, and I'm beginning with his help, not only to recognize, but to see these winds come into my life. And, oh, and to be thankful in all things and for all things. Oh my goodness, does this help these winds to be handled so much better. Oh my goodness, folks, I, I, I can't emphasize this enough that these winds are not meant to destroy you. They will irritate your flesh and put you on a on a, um, you know, put you, maybe even make you uncomfortable. We were talking to a couple just this last week, or a couple of weeks ago, about a situation in their home, and they're dealing with their daughter, and she really needs to have that conversation. I'm talking about she's old enough where she needs to start standing a little bit on her own feet. And Sister Carnahan, they were talking to us, and we were... Um, um, my wife really is very wise in these areas. She has a way of relating to people. But one of the emphasis, or I should say the analogies we used, was the analogy of an eagle. That an eagle is built to fly. They're not meant to walk around on the ground with their claws. They're meant to fly. And in the spiritual sense, folks, you're meant to fly. But if you study the eagles, they're a fascinating bird. Their eyesight and their speed is just absolutely tremendous. And God built them that way. And I believe in the spiritual realm, God has made room and built us that way. I believe during the millennium period and, and, and in, in, the, um, um, in the eternity realms, we're going, man, alive, there's going to be just fascinating things that we, as people, because we're built with a, with a um, glorified body, we're going to be able to do. But that's not happening right now. That's why we get glimpses of this stuff. And God says, he'll let, you, let us sit up in heavenly places, but we don't live there right now. We're in this world, so we have to put things in his perspective. Amen. But the eagle's fascinating. And what happens with those little eaglets, eaglets, is that what it is? Not eaglets, but eaglets, is that when they're getting ready to, to leave the nest, what'll happen is mom and dad will come and bam, bam, they'll start hitting that nest. They'll start pulling stuff out of it. And they'll start doing stuff that you're going, don't they love them? 
Yeah, I'm telling you, perspectives are going to have to change, folks. If you're going to receive the things that God really wants for you, you're going to have to look at it differently. Amen. And it's not like God's going to turn into some kind of a meanie. It's just that a lot of times he's shaking up the nest. He's trying to help us to understand that I've got you built to do some things. And I don't know how long that discomfort goes on. You know, I'm not going to try to put a bead on that. But I know there's some people in this city, right here in this room and out there that I'm talking to right now, it's been going on a little bit too long. Amen. And the danger of it going on for too long is that we become um, disgruntled, or we become disgruntled, and we become mad, and we become bitter, and we get mad at God. And it's all because we didn't change our perspective. We're still looking at it the way we want to look at it. And we're mad, and God doesn't love us anymore, and that church, that, I haven't used this term for a while, that mouthy little preacher's at it again. I can't go to church because, my goodness, all he's doing is preaching this stuff, and it's making me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I know. Well, the bottom line is, folks, that's God, and you're going to have to recognize these wins that he wants you to get involved in. Amen. Because when you soar up real high the way God wants you to fly, and that's the only way you're ever going to really handle these winds, by the way, is to soar like an eagle. Amen. Down here on terra firma, man, it's not going to make a whole lot of sense. God wants us to fly in the Spirit, praise God, and to get up into the realm to where we can see things from His perspective. And then we begin to see the worth. Amen. A very important verse that we... Uh, a chapter, actually, that I'm going to, uh, again, reiterate to you that you need to get familiar with. And that is if, if you're interested in flying in a spiritual way. And that is the eighth chapter of the book of Romans. The whole chapter. The whole chapter deals with stuff. It deals with winds. But let me take something out here. The Bible says in verse 16, 8 and 16, Romans, and I'm, I've, I've got to... I have literally put away three very good Bible studies. And they're coming back out when you're ready. Okay? But the Bible says in 8, Romans 8, and it says in verse 16, the Spirit, and notice it's capitalized, and you've heard me say this before, usually in the Scripture, King James Version anyway, where the word Spirit is capitalized, that's talking about God in the New Testament. Okay? It says, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit, spirit to spirit. That's the language. That's the communication. That's where God wants us to be flying. And then it goes on to say that we are the children of God. Amen. You've had that epiphany? Come out of a prayer meeting and go, wow, I'm in the kingdom of God. I'm going to stick around here a little longer. Yeah. Yeah. That's of God. That's the Spirit of God communicating with your spirit, by the way. And then it says, and if children, then heirs of God. Heirs of God. It says, join heirs with Christ. If so be that we... Ooh. Yeah, we want to switch that one off. We want to take a Jeremiah pen knife and we want to cut that one out. See? There is perfection that comes with suffering. That's what it is. 
And so the Bible says, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. There's the will of God, okay? And then he says, let's put it in God's perspective. And that's what verse 18 is, by the way. Because Paul said, for I reckon, I compute, I calculate, I got this figured out. I know something now that I didn't know before. He said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That don't sound very charismatic to me, does it? He's not saying, oh, God, eliminate all the suffering out of your life, that you'll never go through anything anymore, you know? No, that's not what this guy's saying here. He's saying, you've got to have God's perspective because this doesn't even compare to what he's got in store for you. And that's the one that you're not going to catch on terra firma. That's the one that if you'll soar up into those heavenly places, you'll see it. You'll see it. And pretty soon, you know, man, I've been praying for over an hour. I used to have a problem with five minutes. Yeah. I'm telling you what is absolutely God's truth. This is the day that God is awakening people. Eyes are being opened to understanding the things of God. And it happens with those four things. We change our perspective. We begin to give God permission every day. We learn what is the true meaning of patience. And God, with his help, we can become so persistent that you study the 8th chapter, this 8th chapter of Romans towards the end, I was going to talk about the list. Paul has lists. And from verse 31 to 39, there's a couple of times where he gives lists. What shall separate us from the love of God? Man, those are, that's a pretty hefty list he's made. But I'm telling you right now, with, with patience and persistence that comes from God and our eyes being open, I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing. Oh, it might temporarily give you a little sting. It might temporarily make you feel sad. Like I told you before, yeah, there was sadness Friday morning when, when I got the news about my mom. Yes, I'm not trying to be Mr. Stoic here, but I'm just telling you right now, praise God, it don't last very long because God has already helped me to put life in perspective. He's already helped me to accept the fact that this stuff is going to happen, that he's already for years been preparing me for these things. And there's somebody here that if you'll get off your little short stool and you'll start grabbing a hold of the hand of God, you can begin to see these things in your life. And God will give you a perspective like he has never given you before. Oh, come on. Let's, let's stand up right now and lift up our hands. Oh, you got, got a good one? Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Now, let's take a few minutes here. And let's, I know I've gone a little bit over time here, but let's take a few minutes here and let's let the Lord speak to our hearts. Praise God. Amen. And, and, and we, can, we can allow God to move even during this copus. Amen.